Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of baptism, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was explaining that you cannot exercise proof by example or doctrine by example, that to try to exercise either one of these ideas will fail. And the reason why I was explaining this in the previous program was to explain why you cannot go into the book of Acts and collect all the different passages about baptism, bring them all together, look at them all together, and try to come to some direct conclusion. And the reason why is because the book of Acts was not written for that purpose. It was not written in order to give us a collection of examples so that we can prove our doctrines or establish our doctrines. That's not why it was written. It was written only to describe the events that took place. It describes what people did, what people said. It was not written for the purpose that people are using it for. This is what I was explaining in the previous program, and I was using the example of baptism in the context of salvation, asking the question, does a person need to be baptized in water before they are saved, or are they baptized in water after they are saved, or do they need to be baptized at all? And that's what I'm going to continue with in this program. I was explaining from Acts chapter 2 that the people were baptized and then they received the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 10, it was revealed that a person could receive the Holy Spirit before they were baptized. Cornelius and his household were baptized in water after they received the Spirit. Now, in an earlier program, I explained that salvation has to do with the restoration of the Holy Spirit, that that is what salvation is, that salvation is the restoration of life. It is the restoration of the Holy Spirit that was lost in Adam when Adam and Eve sinned and died. When they were created by our God, he created them in such a way that his spirit would indwell within them. He gave the law. They violated the law. They experienced the penalty, which was the Holy Spirit that was breathed within them. The very life of God was withdrawn, so they were spiritually dead. That defined the problem between man and God. Yes, sin is an issue, but the bigger issue is that you're dead. You're dead spiritually. You do not have the life of God within you. You do not have the Holy Spirit of God within you, and you were created to have him dwell within you. So he has forgiven us of all of our sins so he can restore to us the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus spoke about the baptism with the Spirit, which was the restoration of the Holy Spirit. They experienced the restoration of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, and then in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11, it was discovered that you did not have to convert to Judaism before you could be saved. It was in Acts chapter 11 that the church acknowledged that a Gentile could be saved without first becoming a Jew. Now, I have said all of that in order to say this, and that is that people are asking what part or what role does water baptism play in salvation? Now, according to the definition of salvation, it has no part in salvation at all. But we see it being used by the apostles in the scriptures. 
I personally believe that the reason why the apostles were baptizing people, especially between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10, is because they believed that a person had to first convert to Judaism before they could be saved. I personally believe that that is the only reason, the only reason why people were baptized in water between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 10. And so when I read through these chapters, that is the bias that I am going to have. Let me give you some examples or issues that support my point of view. First of all, consider the Great Commission. The Great Commission of the Lord Jesus when he said, Go out into all of the world, to all of the people, all of the ethnic groups, to tell them about the good news and to immerse them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to command them to observe all that he had commanded the disciples. And I explained in an earlier program that the disciples were devoted The disciples had no problem with telling people to live in obedience to all that Jesus commanded. But what did Jesus command? He commanded people to live in obedience to the Mosaic Law. And why would he do that? Because that was the covenant that was in effect before he died and before he rose from the dead. And so they were consistent with his message. And the Old Covenant is useful today just as it was back then. To go out into the world and tell people to live in obedience to all that Jesus commanded is a useful thing because it will drive a person to a point of utter despair so that they can be prepared to receive the grace and mercy of God that has been provided according to the new covenant. So I don't have a problem with that at all, and I use that today. I use what Jesus commanded all the time today in order to condemn people who really need it. And perhaps you know what I'm saying when I say that there are a lot of people who really need a lot more condemnation in their life, especially those who think that they're really impressive, but they're only deceiving themselves, certainly not everybody else around them. Regardless of that, I want you to see that Jesus commanded them to immerse people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what I want to focus on at the moment with regards to the Great Commission, not so much the issue of obedience to all the commandments, but instead at this time with regards to the subject of baptism, I'm going to focus on this notion of immersing in the name. Now again, in a previous program I explained that no one had ever been immersed in the name of anybody before, in the name in the sense of out of the authority of anyone or to be identified in the name of anyone. That did not exist. In this context, I sincerely believe he was talking about immersing them in the instruction of being informed and properly educated and properly discipled in an understanding of who the Father is, who the Son is, and who the Holy Spirit is, and how our God has interacted with us in the context of being a father, in the context of being the Son, and of course in the context of being the Holy Spirit who provides us with salvation. Now, I've explained all of that to get to Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38. In Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 37, it says, Now, when they heard this, what Peter was telling them, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus had just recently given his great commission where he told the disciples to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? 
But here, Peter is baptizing them in the name of Jesus. How can this be? How could Peter make such a blatant mistake? Again, the issue is is that we are focusing on the word name. That's our problem. They didn't have a problem. We have a problem. We are making the assumption that it is the name that is important. That's not the issue. You are immersing them so that they can be identified. They can recognize that they are being converted to the Lord Jesus. They are being converted to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus is the Son. He's part of the package. They were not consumed with this idea of in what name are we to be baptized. That was not their issue. That's an issue today, and I believe the reason why it is such a big issue for many people is because they are looking for those magic words that will save someone. But the apostles never had a problem with that. From Matthew chapter 28 to Acts chapter 2, to me this is a clear Example, a clear illustration to show you that this idea of being baptized in a name is not the issue, that this is not establishing a procedure of some kind. All they were doing was recognizing that they were Jews, or they were converted to Judaism. They were recognizing that, and they were recognizing that they should be immersed as everyone had already been immersed According to the ministry of John the Baptist, people were immersed in water. I do believe that that's what he was talking about here. People were immersed in water in order to what? To rededicate their lives to the Mosaic law. But to say that this is also being done in the name of Jesus is not to say that those magic words were used. It is to say that they were doing so, they were being immersed in water to not just dedicate themselves to all that Jesus commanded, which was all that Moses commanded, which was all that the Lord our God gave to the children of Israel. It wasn't just about that. It was also being identified with the Lord Jesus in the context of him being their Messiah. So they were taking it one step further. They were extending the baptism of John. That's what's happening here when they say in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is an extension of the baptism of John, which of course is not required. And Jesus said himself that he was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Certainly John baptized with water, but Jesus is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. That is the baptism that Jesus is involved in, and that is the baptism that we need in order to be saved. This other baptism was something that he used in order to explain to us the spiritual baptism that we truly needed. So why were they baptizing? They were baptizing, again, because they did not believe that a Gentile could be saved. That's why they were baptizing. They were baptizing because they believed that they needed to ensure that a Jew was recommitted to a life of repentance and obedience to the Mosaic law, which was all that Jesus commanded. In addition to this, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he says, the forgiveness of sins. Well, just as being baptized or immersed in the name of Jesus is a new thing, so also being immersed for the forgiveness of sins is a new thing. This is a new introductory concept that people's sins are forgiven. This is a new thing. But it is not a new thing in the context of a replacement. Here, it is described as a new thing in the context of an extension, that because you have recognized that Jesus is your Messiah, you are the recipient of the forgiveness 
that he is offering to humanity. Now, the Apostle Paul revealed at a later date that everyone has been forgiven, that the entire world has been forgiven. But here, they didn't even know that a Gentile could be saved without first becoming a Jew. So don't be surprised when I tell you that they didn't know that a Gentile could be forgiven until after they first became a Jew. So this is a new thing that reveals that they were beginning to grow in an understanding of the implications of what Jesus had already done for them. But then he says at the end of verse 38, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why would he say that? Because this is expected. This is the expected transition. First, you recommit your life to Judaism. Second, you identify yourself with Jesus as the Messiah. Third, because you identify yourself with Jesus as the Messiah, you are going to be the recipient of the forgiveness that has been provided as a result of his death. Fourth, you are then going to receive the Holy Spirit because that is what Jesus actually came to provide, and that is your salvation. Now, the Apostle Paul revealed to us later that a person has been forgiven whether they acknowledge it or not, whether they have been identified with Jesus or not. He explains that later on. And in addition to that, he also explains that it is the restoration of the Holy Spirit that saves us. And so eventually you are going to see the Apostle Paul and even the Apostle Peter follow suit. You will see later on in the scriptures that it is discovered that all you need to do is believe in what Jesus has done for you and receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit. That's it. And you will be saved. So that is a transition that they are going to go through. But for now, what Peter has explained, I believe, is correct. It is perfect. It is exactly what I would expect him to say based on what I understand he knows and understands about what Jesus has done, even though not everything he has said is entirely correct. Now, this is what I will refer to as the baptism of Peter that this is the baptism of Peter, and we will see the baptism of Peter in Acts chapter 8 and also in Acts chapter 10, except the baptism of Peter was interrupted a little bit in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, at the end of Acts chapter 10, you will see that Cornelius and his household are saved. They were saved before converting to Judaism. It says in Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 43, Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. You see, Peter explains clearly in Acts chapter 10 verse 43 that if you believe in Jesus, you receive the forgiveness of sins. However, later on, as I explained, Paul will explain that you have received the forgiveness of sins regardless of whether you believe in Jesus or not. The Apostle John also explained this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, when he says that Jesus not only died for the sins of the world, but also for ours, referring to the ones who have been saved. So continuing in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. What does this mean? This means that God has intervened in a divine way to show the Jewish believers, the circumcised believers, to show them 
that a Gentile can be saved, and he is giving his endorsement to this fact. He is providing the revelation through the gift of tongues so that they can have clear communication between each other. In other words, they understood every word that was being said between each other. That was the gift of tongues in the book of Acts. There was clear communication that was taking place. This was divine intervention in order to show them that you did not have to first convert to Judaism. How would they convert to Judaism? They would be baptized in water. They would commit themselves to the commandments of Jesus, which were the commandments of Moses, which were the commandments that God gave to the nation of Israel. Then they would receive the Holy Spirit. That was what they understood before. But God divinely interrupts. He interrupts the process, and he goes against what Peter believed. He intervenes at this time. He was patient before, apparently, but he intervenes at this time and interrupts what Peter is doing, and he saves these people. He gives them the Holy Spirit, and there was nothing that Peter could do to stop him. You understand? There was nothing that Peter could do to stop God from saving these people before they were properly converted according to the proper procedure that Peter believed a person had to undergo in order to be saved. Sound familiar? There are a lot of people today who believe the same thing, who believe that you have to follow the proper procedure, use the right magic words in order to properly be identified with a proper person in the proper way at the proper time in the proper water that's at the proper room temperature, that kind of thing. That's what people are teaching today. And God interrupts those experiences regardless of what people believe. In verse 45, it is written, all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed. Why were they amazed again? They were amazed because this is amazing. This is different. This is new. In verse 46, for they were hearing them speak with other tongues. In verse 47, surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. Why did he baptize them in water? Why did he bother doing that? If the objective was to receive the Holy Spirit then why did this happen? It's my belief that he did it because he panicked. That's why. I think that he panicked a little bit, and he was taken by surprise. As it says, they were taken by surprise. They were amazed. And because of that, in his panic, he went ahead and baptized them in water. But would they have lost their salvation? Would they have lost their salvation if they were not baptized in water? Would that mean that they wouldn't have been able to keep it? Of course not. Absolutely. If that was true, then we would always have to baptize people twice. First, before they receive the Holy Spirit, and then a second time, after they receive the Holy Spirit, in order to ensure that they were sealed properly, right? That's the kind of thing that people are believing. But it would be inconsistent with Acts chapter 2 if that's what we believed. Just as Acts chapter 2 says you are baptized in water, immersed in water, Before you receive the Spirit, in Acts chapter 10, it suggests you receive the Spirit and then you are baptized in water. Which one is it going to be? You can't live in both. You can't have both. You cannot combine the two and create something different or new because it does not exist. Why was this happening? It was only happening because the apostles did not really believe that a Gentile could be saved. That was the only reason for this. Keep reading. Keep reading into Acts chapter 11. And what happens? Peter goes back to Jerusalem. And when he gets there, the people are really excited about him. 
meeting with those Gentiles, aren't they? No, they're not. Read Acts chapter 11 in verse 2. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him. Took issue with him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. They didn't care if the Gentiles got saved. They didn't care about what happened. They had no interest in what happened. All they cared about was whether or not Peter was properly living in obedience to the dietary laws. That was their concern, right? Peter gives his defense in the few verses following. And then, in Acts chapter 11, verse 15, Peter said, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, sure, but you, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also, after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? That was his defense, and wouldn't that make sense? They are accusing Peter of violating the law. They are accusing Peter of going to talk with those dirty Gentiles, aren't they? And Peter tells them, look, these people believed, they got saved. Who am I? Who are you for that matter? Who are any of us to stand in the way of God? But make no mistake, there are a lot of people around you who are standing in the way of God by trying to perpetrate this belief about being immersed in water as though that is what saves you, as if that is what is necessary as part of the proper procedure that you have to participate with their people performed by their pastor or their leader in order to accomplish this. Those are the people who are standing in the way of God. The way of God is to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Your way might be to baptize in water or to immerse in water, but His way is to immerse with the Holy Spirit. He used immersion of water to tell you about the immersion in the Spirit, not so that you could have both, but to trade one for the other so that you will rest in and trust in what He will do not in what you will do, but in what he will do. Do not stand in the way. People try, and it's unfortunate because it leads to a great deal of confusion. A lot of people are struggling with this issue. Many people are struggling with this issue, and people I know will continue to struggle with this issue because there are so many people who believe this. The world is filled with people who do not know anything about the history, the purpose, the usage of water baptism, of the baptism of John, of the baptism of Peter, of the baptism of the apostles, and the baptism of Jesus. People have no idea what this is, and I do pray that through this, I can speak to some people so that you can be set free and know the baptism that Jesus came to give and how he used the baptism of John, immersion in water, in order to reveal this to us. So now, live in what we have, live in what he has done. Other apostles struggled with this. In the next program, I'll talk about the baptism of Philip. Philip baptized as well in Acts chapter 8. I will explain what happened in Acts chapter 8. It is a very good transition into Acts chapter 10. Unfortunately, because of the subject that I am presenting, I decided to combine Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10 and describe it as the baptism of Peter, and to show you how Peter grew in his understanding of the gospel. Now, if we assume that Peter grew in his understanding of the gospel, I think a very important question needs to be asked, and that is, why did God 
not explain to Peter right away the truth of the gospel? Why is it that he didn't reveal the complete truth to the apostles that a Gentile could be saved without first becoming a Jew? Why didn't he reveal that right away? Well, this can be answered in a number of ways. The first way that I could consider answering this is by saying that they should have paid more attention to him. That's one thing that I could say. However, regardless of that, it is clear that the Lord intervened in the circumstance with Cornelius and his household. The Lord did intervene at that time and showed that they could be saved without first becoming a Jew. Why didn't he show the apostles this previously? Why didn't he do that? It's my opinion, this is my opinion because we don't have enough information available to truly answer this question, and so all I can do is share my opinion concerning this, but I sincerely believe that the reason why the Lord took some time to reveal this, just as he takes time with everyone as he grows and matures them and shows them more about who he is as time goes on, you probably have discovered this if you've been in the Lord for quite some time. You've probably discovered that over time he does reveal more to you about who he is, and perhaps sometimes you may have asked him the question, why didn't you show me this right away? There are advantages, there are reasons to living in the struggle of growth as we mature in our relationship with Christ Jesus. But in this case, in this case with Peter, Let me describe it this way. It's very easy for a Gentile to understand what I say when I say that the Jew is no greater than the Gentile. The Jew needs forgiveness just as a Gentile does. For a Gentile to hear that, that's very easy. That's not difficult to understand and it's not difficult to appreciate. But to a Jew, to hear it said that the Jew is no greater than a Gentile, that can be very difficult for them to embrace, to recognize that the Jew is not greater than a Gentile, that the Gentile is not greater than a Jew, that the gospel has to do with making a new person that is neither a Jew nor a Gentile, but a new creation in Christ Jesus, that this would be difficult for a Jew to embrace, especially during this time in history. If they heard something like that, it would be very easy for them to assume that this might be a Gentile God or this may be a God that is not the God of Israel. You need to understand this. Even if this was not the real issue that Peter was dealing with, you still need to understand this in order to fully appreciate the struggles that the Jews were having. But it's my opinion that this is why the Lord worked with the Jews in transitions like he did in order to resolve the concern that might show up that this God may not be the true God of Israel. And I will continue in the next broadcast. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is livinggodministries.net.